Well, hello everybody, and guess what? We are on episode 50 right now. In other words, 50 weeks, aka 350 days, aka 8,400 hours, aka big stack guys. And we do all the facts, as we once said on our first episode, 50 weeks ago. Um, as we are in the sports world currently, only one game seven in the first round in both the NHL and the NBA playoffs. Is this surprising or expected, James? What do you think? Uh, it's surprising. That's definitely sure. I mean, I thought it was going to be way close all the way throughout. But it's fun to watch regardless, you know? Yeah, game sevens are fun uh, unless you work for a team or are really, really invested and involved in one. It could be very nerve-wracking, too. Unless you're confident. It's all over the place, though. I guess, you know, it's one game. But uh, trading, who would win in a tilt, DeChambeau or Kepka? In a, in a tilt? Like a full-on tilt? Oh, it's Yeah, in a tilt. Dropping I, the gloves on the golf think, course. It'd be, it'd be like brute strength versus – a bit of strength, but also like finesse. I feel like DeChambeau would like think his way, you know, through it. Right. And just be all technical. Um, I don't, so I, I, don't I don't know. I, I would have oh, to say bro. Kepka, but I don't know. No, no way. No, absolutely. My money's not, on DeChambeau. No. Oh yeah. I, I put five grand on that. I don't even have five grand in my account, but I put no, five grand on that. You guys are absolutely sure. wrong. You guys have no idea what Kepka is. So it's fine. Yeah. Kepka seems like a dick and he seems like he's trying to intimidate him. But like you said, DeChambeau would be like smarter. If, if we're absolutely wrong about faster. this, why did you not pick Kepka? You're just like, oh, it's a toss-up. So then if you, if you say it's, it's a toss-up, then well, I'm not I mean, absolutely but, wrong. But you guys are so on one side that that's why you're wrong. Like you aren't even close. Like Kepka's huge, dude. He's a massive guy. So is Bryson. As of, as of late. He doesn't know how to harness it. Nah, fuck that. But De- and plus, I just don't like DeChambeau. So that yeah, is- I was going to say, I think your bias is Some- kicking in and it's, yeah. it's skewing you to be wrong. Yeah, but that, yeah sometimes the hate for a certain person or a certain team kind of skews the entire picture, right, Trayden? Fair enough. I, think, I don't I think know. That I mean, was I'm a not a huge Kepka guy either. I just think Kepka <laughs> yeah. would just knock his teeth in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, of course, right? I get right into talking about golf. But a quick mention is just that these two guys have already – they've been kind of – trying to grind each other's gears um, the last few golf tournaments, doing little things uh, to get under each other's skin. I guess Kepka had like, was giving people Budweiser beers to walk around following DeChambeau, calling him Brooksy, like to confuse him with Kepka. And DeChambeau like had his security guards kick all these people out and all this shit. So it's just little jabs at each other the funny thing is both of them are you know focusing so much on bullshit that they probably should focus on golf because neither are that are playing that great right yeah now. they're both not really doing that good um tyler the dodgers got swept by the giants recently and then they actually lost a series to the angels this year are you hitting the panic button yet or are you gonna wait um they I didn't get swept by the giants they lost three or four Oh, okay. so fact check you there. We but, do the stats. <laughs> we, all, we also did sweep the Giants. Um, we did lose two or three of the Angels, which is not good. But we, that was in the middle of a five and fifteen run. Um, you know, obviously, you know we're we're still we're we're still good. Um, it's not, I think, to the expectation right now. I think we could be playing a lot better. But you know, I'm not worried. Not even a little bit. It's it, it's a long season. We're we're still in a good spot. That NL West division though is turning into a 
fucking dogfight in those top three. So it's going to be fun to watch. Yeah. Hey, wait, I, real quick, Tyler. They're third in the NL West, right? Yeah. And so you're still going to have them as number one in your power rankings, even though they're third in the NL West? Uh, Sounds about right. To be determined, they're not number one in my power rankings. But stay tuned and look out for those power rankings this <laughs> week, and you'll find out where the Dodgers lie. But it's not one, I'll tell you that. Shout out, power it rankings. Has be below, it has to be below two, at least. I mean, I guess they our do. power rankings in all these other sports are, you know, somewhat correct because, as I said all year, the Brooklyn Nets – we're number one, and they just beat the Bucks by like forty-five points, which is fucking outrageous. Terrible for the sport of the NBA. Terrible for the organization of the Milwaukee Bucks. But they still got time. They're only down 0-2. That's why it's a series. Um, and speaking of series and NBA playoffs, right off the bat, James is going to get us right into the NBA playoffs. We just concluded round one yesterday. Alex is not with us today. Um, so James is going to take over the NBA segment. We're going to get right into it. Right, James? Yeah, let's do it. Um, actually, before I begin, I just want to do a quick little shout out to NCAA softball. I don't know if you guys have watched any of it at all, but in softball is insane. I think it might be one of the most underrated sports out there. I've had so much fun watching a ton of softball this weekend and huge shout out to James Madison University. Like they're unranked and they went super, super far. And their pitcher, Odyssey Alexander, she's a monster, dude. She played four games in four days and pitched 26.2 innings. Holy shit. That is ridiculous. If a baseball player did that, everybody in the world would know. But because it's softball, it's not talked about as much. And I think she needs to get more respect and she needs to be more well-known. She's amazing. She did, She played her heart out. I watched this last game that happened today when they lost Oklahoma. Uh, she, played, she pitched 4.2 innings in this one. She pretty much, I think she pitched 88% of all the postseason games. And she did amazing, but she got tired. That's what happens when you pitch 26.2 innings in four days. So, Who, for her, so man. where are they currently in uh, the women's softball college world series? It's about to be the finals. Okay. So it depends on who wins Florida state and Alabama. They're going to be playing Oklahoma and that'll be the finals right there. Nice. But yeah, if, if you guys listen to this tomorrow on Tuesday, tune in to watch softball guys. It's fantastic. It's a fun sport to watch. It's fast paced. It's everything you yeah, want maybe, to support. It's good. Maybe we'll have to get some stuff up on our story, like see what who people think is the is the best team or who's gonna win. Maybe I, I, I'll just say right now, uh Alabama's gonna win it all. And I, you know, fuck Alabama, but they're just always good at sports and they're gonna win. That stadium they got there for the World Series is gorgeous. That softball stadium. Yeah, Alabama just got eliminated, so yeah, you're wrong. Okay. Um, <laughs> who's going to be Florida State and uh, Oklahoma? It's going to be Florida State because <laughs> oh, they man. just beat Alabama, who's usually the Florida best. Florida State's the defending champs, correct? No, Oklahoma's won a ton. <laughs> Oklahoma <laughs> pretty much has won every single year except for 2019. We do the facts. I thought Florida Obviously, we don't know softball that much. My bad. Lots of facts here. Oklahoma is a softball powerhouse. Well, I know, but I thought FSU won. I thought FSU won the last one, but I could. I guess I'm remembering incorrectly. Just, just a little bit. And so oh, is yeah. Alabama, and they just uh, lost. It was actually UCLA. In 2019 uh, was the last one. In 2019. But then before that, and it was just like – And before that, Oklahoma State. Okay. Oh, wow. So two years ago. So, so not that far uh, off. Yeah, James just got old. <laughs> I just forgot. I still got the UCLA one, right? Yeah. Because Oklahoma we're, went back-to-back before that. We're all right, and we're all wrong. Yeah, see? There we go. <laughs> but then Florida and, went back-to-back before that, so – 
And Alabama's <laughs> usually good, and they lost, so Florida State's probably going to win because they beat Alabama. So it just shows how strong of a team they are. It, it sounds like those two teams are just amazing. So the yeah. fact that I mean, James Madison University went as far as they did, that's, that, that speaks volumes. That so does. go JMU. Okay, guys, yes, go back to basketball. We know the facts. <laughs> We're going to start in the East today, okay? The number one-seeded Philadelphia 76ers versus the number five-seeded Atlanta Hawks. The 76ers are coming off a 4-1 victory over the Wizards. Tyler, the Wizards, put up a fight, but not enough of a fight. The Hawks, on the other hand, went 4-1 over the Knicks. Currently, the Hawks lead 1-0 off of a win yesterday. That was a really fun game to watch, by the way. Uh, so, trading. Joel Embiid has a small meniscus tear, and he's still playing and doing well. He was supposed to be on this minutes restriction. That didn't really happen. They did put up 39 points and nine rebounds. Can you keep this up? And what else do the 76ers have to do to win the series? Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I, you know, my heart would say yes. I mean, I mean, Embiid's been such a huge impact player for, you know, in this entire, you know, for the entire league this year, especially for the 76ers, obviously. And the fact that he still plays, I think what he played, like played a 38 minutes, I mean that <laughs> you're not really holding him back whatsoever, and he's sitting 39, dropping 39 points um, and nine total rebounds, which is which is amazing. I I, I don't know I I don't I, I don't know the injury side much. I mean I it sounds bad, but I don't know. You know you guys know more than me on that. But I would have to think that you, you can't sustain that in a seven. Just tape it up. <laughs> I mean yeah, you can do that, but but you're not. A, he's not. He can't play you know, drop 39 points every single game. I can't imagine that. Um, especially if he's, if he's going to be playing 38 minutes a night, it just, it's just not sustainable for, for any kind of, to any type of injury prone, uh, inj- injured player. Um, and, and, you know, his, his availability was in doubt, even starting in his, and he's even questionable for game two. And if you don't have him for, you know, game two, after a lackluster start, um, you know, last night or the other night, um, you, you, you know, I don't, I don't think you see, I know, A, I don't think you're winning and B, you're just, and then you're too far behind, um, I, you know, and you're losing it. I think, what well, I think they're the home team, right? Yeah. So 76ers yeah, are at home and they've already dropped a home game. So they, lo- they lost their home, a home court advantage. If they lose another one, that means they have to win two on the road. I just don't see that. Occur- well, they went, technically have to win one, but um, they have to win two um, and they have to go, you know, I, I just don't see, how they can sustain that with that said I, I think they just need to first of all they need to come out they need to come out and actually play basketball i think they started a little bit slow last game um the first the, the, you know the first bit was quite the you know was quite in favor of the hawks um i mean looking at the splits in terms of the like the quarter splits they you know the, the 76ers definitely owned the fourth quarter and they definitely won the the third quarter as well so i think that if they have a better first quarter um, you, you, you're seeing a, you're probably seeing a, at least a closer game and it was on, only four points. So what do they have to do? They, they have to come out hard. They have to come out strong. They have to play basketball from the, from, from tip off and, you know, the rest kind of will solve itself. If they don't have Embiid, they, there's nothing they can do. I, I don't think they have a chance. Um, I just, because, you know, you saw, you saw what they're able to do with, with him at, you know, putting down 39 points in a game that he probably should have been held back a bit. Uh, they, they need something else. And I, I just don't know what that can be. 
Uh, yeah, that's I like your assessment of it. Really good all the way throughout. The thing about the thing I'm concerned about with Joel Embiid is that a small meniscus tear will develop into a big one, given time and the amount of pressure and the amount of movement he does. So I mean, he's he's going all out for big playoffs, and I gotta respect that for somebody for a league who's now going through like this, um, you know, like health management stuff and making sure that people stay healthy. It's a playoffs, and he doesn't care. He's like, I'm gonna be out there if I can be out there, and if it means. I have to get a bigger surgery later on. If I can help my team, I'm going to be there and do it. So big move, respectful move. I like that. That being said, I think the Hawks are going to take this one. I think people don't really know how good the Hawks are because of their fifth seed and their terrible record and like not good record. The fact of the matter is they fired their coach halfway through the season and then Nate McMillan took over. And then since that time frame, they've been tied with the 76ers for the best record in the East. They've won the same amount as the, as the 76ers have. And it's insane. If they had just started with Nick McMillan as a coach from the get-go, they'd be number one or two seed. They're that good of a team. The first coaches didn't know how to use them that well. <laughs> They're just stacked, man. I I counted them out way long before. I was like, oh, the Knicks are going to be great. The Knicks are, gonna, are one of the best defensive teams in the league. They're going to shut this team down. I was so wrong. I'd give them zero respect. But now I'm sitting here like, damn, the Hawks are good. Trey Young, he's so fun to watch. Yeah. He's like, he's not better than Steph Curry shooting a three-pointer, but he's better at Steph Curry than driving the ball. He's way more athletic than Steph Curry is, and he's making good passes. He can drive and kick. He can run the pick and roll. He can shoot the three. And the thing about this is kind of, like I said before, they're kind of like the Warriors where they have three-point shooters. Bogdanovich is out there killing it from three. They even got this guy, Huter, like this white dude from Poland or something. I don't even know where he's from uh, with a weird last name, but he's out there just knocking down threes too. And it's just Herder. a complete team. There we go. Herder. Yeah. Complete team effort all the way throughout. And it's just people you don't ever hear like John Collins, this tall six ten guy, lanky. He doesn't look like he can do much, but he's out showing out every single game. He got hit in the lip against the Knicks, got stitched up, came back out. Love it. Bitches. This team is giving it their all. Hashtag hockey guy. Hashtag hockey guy. So I think honestly that Hawks are going to take this one. Yeah, I I I tend to I actually tend to agree with you. I I think I think there's I think last game we saw that there was quite a mismatch between Danny Green and Trey Young. I mean he kind of Trey Young just kind of was all over him. It, oh you may need to make a personnel change uh, or in terms of coverage. I, again, I'm not going to sit here. I don't know I don't know the positions or the personnel well enough to understand who goes where. I heard that maybe Ben Simmons could be a better primary cover against Trey Young. I, I mean, I don't know, but I mean, if, if, if Danny green is going to play like that against Trey young or Trey young is just going to walk over him like that. I don't, I mean, you're right. He's, he's a stud out there. Yeah. The thing about Trey young, he's like, a, he's like a slimy like squid. You can't put your hands on him. He's going to slide through everywhere and you, you can't stop him, man. The Knicks are one of the best defense teams in the league. They could not stop him. You think the Sam Sutras can, I mean, they're not that far off, but they're not the best. And that's the Hawks. Man the weapons you're talking about like Gallinari is there that you know he could catch that he's mohawk just a good sucks. three point sh- what his mohawk it's terrible like oh yeah it is it's like a rooster fucking haircut it's terrible yeah. but you know he could he's a dangerous player and then um Bogdanovich like you said like no one really knew about him because he was on the sack kings forever and then I mean now he's in the Hawks and you don't hear about him still but he could be you know assassin mode he's he's a good three-point shooter and he creates a lot of offense for them so they i kind of agree with you too they, they just have a lot of weapons and then capella dude they got capella for the defensive side and for the rebounds and 
you know, a healthy Capella versus a somewhat injured Embiid. It's a, it's a good matchup. I like that. I mean, much like softball is, I think the Hawks are underrated and not respected as much as they should be. So real fast before we move on to the next series, Chad, who's going to win this series? Um, I, I'd probably say Hawks in six. Okay. Tyler. I'm going to stick with the 76ers in seven, but I think it's going to be a hell of a series. It's going to be a seven, good, good okay. series. <clears throat> Eric. I got Hawks in seven and they got Lou Will too. You know, you just always you have a shout Will. out Lou Will. So. Lou Will. Yeah. <laughs> he was big off the bench in game one too. And I have the Hawks in five. I think it'll be a lot closer than you guys think. Yeah, Joel Embiid's probably not going to finish the series, so it's going to be faster than you think. Moving on to the second series in the East, we have the number two-seeded Nets versus the number three-seeded Bucks. The Nets are coming off a 4-1 win over the Celtics, and the Bucks swept the heat. Um, the Nets are currently up 2-0 in the series after blowing them out. I mean, you heard it in the intro. It was like a 45-plus point defeat. It was crazy. The Nets weren't missing. KD looked good. Kyrie broke five people's ankles and made threes like crazy. It was fun to watch to a point, and then it became a blow, and I was like, all right, I'm going to go watch some hockey. That's exactly what I did. <laughs> uh, Tyler. Actually, Eric, we'll start with Eric here. The Bucks seem to be a huge favorite after sweeping the heat in round one. The Nets have proven that they're mortal. Did they just beat a bad team, or are they actually a good team? Uh, if you would have asked me this like two hours ago, I would have said, yeah, they're a good team. I mean, they, I still think they are a good team, but I have a little bit of doubt with them now it's weird i mean you'd think james harden gets hurt in like the first minute of the first game versus them and you're thinking oh shit you know this series may just change all of a sudden that game seemed to be closer but still the nets just just played better looks like they're just playing better they're having fun um the bucks had you know a slow start in game one so then you think you know with Giannis and the guys they have they're gonna respond and have a have a better start game too it was almost even worse um they're down you know I think they gave up 34 points in the first quarter they only scored like 16 they're already going down double digits in the first quarter um I still think they're a good team but like Giannis he was like one for seven free throws tonight so it's like he only drove enough to get to the line to shoot seven free throws and he's and he only made one of them, dude. I don't know what what's his routine is so weird with that. Um, they got Drew Holiday for a reason, you know, to to make to to get quick scoring for them and just be an all around player for them. Um, hasn't done much yet. Middleton is kind of their high IQ glue guy, you know, hasn't done much. Lopez, you would think, has a you know a better mat like a better matchup versus Blake. I mean, Blake's doing good, but you know, we know Blake's injury history and, and how he's been and you see him just dominating. Lopez hasn't done much. Um, all these guys that have been on this Bucks team that have performed for them in the playoffs in the past, they haven't done anything yet. They still got time though. You know, they're down 0-2, they're going home, but this next game is a must win for them. So what do they have to change to turn this around? Uh, play harder and better and play like you actually want to win a playoff game because the first two games look like they just thought they were going to come back. Like, I still think they're a good team. It wasn't that the Heat were just a really bad team. I think they caught the Heat. They, 
it was good that they faced the Heat first round. Like they got their revenge on them. They swept them. The, the Heat took them out last year kind of unexpectedly. But now it's, you know, forget that, erase it out of your mind. Now you're down 0 2. Uh, you need to come out, play as hard as you can, make your shots. Giannis, make free throws. Lopez, get rebounds. Uh, Holiday, make open threes. You know, do the things you've done all season. And hopefully you pull off this win at home, game three. I like that. Tyler. Uh, Eric had mentioned it a second ago, but he said that James Harden left in the first minute of the game one with a hamstring strain and he could be out for extended time. Is this actually a blessing in disguise for the Nets or is it going to hurt them long term? Uh, time will tell. I mean, I think you've seen the first two games. They look pretty damn good, you know, d- despite James Harden not being on the floor. Um, it's kind of one of the problems we've constantly talked about this Nets team is, is, is there too much um, like number one guys on this team, right? You know, Kyrie, KD and, and uh, Harden all being on the floor at the same time, you know, can you make that work to a championship level? Um, I think they were showing signs that they could, you know, but um, possibly, you know, I mean, KD has played great the first two games. Ky- uh, Kyrie, as you mentioned earlier, is, 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 is balling out there. And Blake Griffin, too, let's, let's give him some credit. The first two games, he's been a factor, rebounding and just playing really, really great uh, energetic basketball for this team. Um, this Nets team looks really good. I think the rest of the league should be very scared of what they're seeing from, from the, from the Brooklyn Nets right now. You know, the first round was pretty easy for them, but now they're beating a Bucks team that, you know, should be doing a lot better than it is. You know, maybe it was just a bad, bad game by the Bucks, or maybe the Nets are just fucking on fire and they're playing and they're banging on all cylinders right now. You know, um, time will tell if they're going to miss Harden or not right now. It doesn't look like, look like they need him, uh, too badly right now. Is this level of offensive firepower that the Nets are putting out, is that sustainable? Uh, I mean, sustainable for how long? I mean, like I would say for a whole series, they're not going to put up 125 and, um, you know, be, or they're not going to beat the Bucks. I don't think that handily every single game. I don't believe that's going to happen. I think the Bucks are going to come back in this series and they're, and they're, they're going to make it competitive. Um, but, you know, it's, it, it's hard to bet against them right now with what you've seen recently. Um, so, I, I, I mean, they've been one of the best offensive teams in, in, in the league. I think they'll continue doing that. I like that. Okay, let's go around the table here. Traden, who wins it and how many? I'm going to say Bucks and six. Oh, so they got to win out. All right, cool. Uh, Tyler. I'm going to go Nets and six. Eric. I'm going to go Nets and seven. I'm going to go Bucks and seven, not six. I'm going to say seven. Uh, the reason why I think that is that I think there's going to be a bounce back game by Giannis. That dude can carry a team. He's going to put it out there. Drew Holiday is going to be better on defense and not get your ankles broken by Kyrie. They got a good coach. They'll handle it. They're going to step up one more time, give the Nets that one win, but then win from that point forward. So that's what I think. Moving on to the Western Conference, the number one seeded Utah Jazz versus the number four seeded Los Angeles Clippers. Eric, you ready for this? <laughs> The Jazz came out with a 4-1 win over the Grizzlies, and the Clippers just won yesterday out of Game 7 to keep their story alive. Game 1 is tomorrow, so you'll know the stuff, the results before we do. Um, Tyler, let's start with you this time. Donovan Mitchell is putting up pretty much a point per minute since he got back, uh, which is at 28.5. Remember that one time you were like, oh, he'll be back in the regular season? He never did. They kept him out because that was a smart <laughs> thing to do, which is why he's putting up a point per minute. Uh, can he sustain that? Uh, always the, the sustained questions. Uh, he's looked 
if you look at his stats, progressively better every single game he's gotten back. Um, so fuck yeah, he can sustain it. I think the Jazz having Donovan Mitchell be the number one guy is the reason why they've had success. Um, I don't think I'm not saying he's going to put 30 plus points every single playoff game, but he's going to be their best. And that's player. not sustaining, bro. Well, I mean, it was a very vague question. Um, so to be more specific, <laughs> I don't know if he's going to put up 30 plus every game, but he's going to be their best player every time that that that, that the Jazz uh, play. That's just you know he, the the system runs through him. Um, they got him back. He's playing very well right now, as you've seen in that in that series against Memphis. Um, you know, again against a much better Phoenix Suns team. We'll see how the, how the Suns handle him. Um, but but we'll uh, you know kind of go from or sorry, I'm sorry, Clippers, a Clippers team. I got my matches mixed up uh, against a very a much better Clippers team um, who've got you know some great defenders on that team as well. But um, yeah, I mean that for for right now, Donovan Mitchell is playing out of his mind. Um, he's he's got some rest on that ankle. I think he'll be good to go. So how do you think they're going to fare against the Clippers with more rest? Do you think that more rest is going to be more beneficial or bad for them? I think that's such an interesting um, debate, right? Like going into the playoffs, is, is rest more beneficial or is kind of that grind of what the Clippers did going through that game seven, having that competitive edge and going right into the next series better for you? Um, honestly, I think for the Jazz, I think the rest is, rest is, rest is better because of, you know, um, uh, Mitchell's recent uh, ankle ankle. Uh, injury i think for the clippers they're fairly healthy right now um so i think for them to have that kind of you know kind of kick in the ass and for, from the first round and kind of get them going i think is probably the best thing for them um so i think it kind of depends on your team dynamic and how, how your season's going uh so i think for the jazz having the rest will will be uh beneficial for for them but you know i'm uh, I'm, I'm i'm excited to see how game one goes yeah and eric first off man what happened how did you get to a game seven? And secondly, the Jazz are a little bit more of a complete team than the Mavs are. So what do they have to do to stay in this series and win this series? Um, the first question, I don't even know. that it, it, it was a straight two weeks long of a series. Lots of nerves, emotions, nail-biting, happy, sad, throwing, jumping, uh, slamming your head, different things happening all at once. Um, the first two games, I feel like the Clippers didn't uh, look like the team they were supposed to be. And it was, very, you know, a little worrisome going going to Dallas down 0-2, especially with just the way Luke is looking. He, he's, you know, looking to be the next face of the NBA. He's an assassin. He's basically impossible to stop. Um, but, you know, somehow, some way they, they changed. I think it was a good uh, coaching battle they kept saying it was like a chess match um Ty Lue changed the lineup around he went small with them you know the, the next two games um we were at Clippers were able to overcome it those two games and tie the series up you go to game five then uh you know Randy Carlisle the Mavs coach switches up to a all big lineup with Boban and he just kind of dominated us they got all the rebounds they ended up winning a close one they were just the last you know three games were all pretty close and uh, Clippers somehow pulled it, pulled away with it towards the end yesterday. They finally kind of played how they were supposed to, and I think Tyler was right. Um, they had a nice, you know, jolt and kick in the ass to realize, like, hey, here we go again. You know, the Clippers are notorious for always doing this in the playoffs, especially when they have a stacked lineup and when they're supposed to do better. And, and I think they finally woke up 
So that's the answer to the first question. Um, <laughs> second question, what was the second question again? How do I think the series is going to go? Well, the Jazz are more complete than the Mavs are. I mean, the Jazz have more weapons than just Luka and yeah. Porzingis. So how are they? what do they need to do to be in that series and win that series? Um, we need to be better with rebounding, and we got to find a way to get under Rudy Gobert's skin. I think you saw, like, that first game, which was the game the Grizzlies, the only game they won. They got Rudy Gobert to foul out. But besides that, they were kind of just pushing him around all game, uh, making it tough for him, uh, fouling him a lot. So making him have to earn his points, which he's not the best free throw shooter. So a big thing is getting under his skin because I think, you know, it's Mitchell and him are the two main guys there. Um, Getting him irritated or in foul trouble, getting him off the floor is going to help a lot um, take away some of their defense. Donovan Mitchell, um, I think just understanding that he's – also an assassin, somewhat like Luca. I think Luca's more of an assassin than him, but Donovan Mitchell can be dangerous. So, kind of having a similar scheme defensively with him, like we did with Luca, you know, double teaming him and making him have to pass to, you know, other guys to shoot. But they do have, you know, Bogdanovich, who's also a good shooter there. Um, you know, force the ball into Jordan Clarkson's hand. Yeah, he got six man of the year, but, you know, you'd rather have him taking shots driving in than Donovan Mitchell. Just do things you can to keep it out of Donovan Mitchell's hands all the time. Um, frustrate Mike Conley because he's a, he's a hot and cold guy. When he's hot, he's really hot. When he's cold, he's ice cold. So it's it'll be an interesting series. Um, you know, they're a good team, a strong team. They're the number one seed. Uh, I think we went longer than we expected with the Mavericks, but I think it was a good test. We had our backs against the wall, found a way to fight through adversity. I think the one thing we have upper hand on them is they haven't really had much adversity yet. So we'll see if they go through it or if they're able to handle it or not. We've at least shown this first round that we're able to handle somewhat adversity. Last question for you. Who guards Donovan Mitchell? Is that Kawhi? Yeah. I mean, does Kawhi like keep him under 20? It'll probably be Kawhi. I mean, Pat Bev didn't, he played those first two games in the series, didn't play much. We could still use him, but I, you know, it's got to be Kawhi. Someone that just has big hands that's going to cause havoc for him and get his like, get little, you know, fingertips on the ball when he passes it or, just like disrupt him a little. It'll probably be PG as well. Like they'll probably be trying to switch switch Kawhi off of them. But I probably one of those two guys. Um, that that'll be an exciting matchup to watch. Yeah, just to see who comes out on top of that one for sure. Tyler, who wins this series and, and how many? I'm gonna go Jazz in six. Eric, we go Clippers in. Six. Six to seven. <laughs> six point five games. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Trading. Uh, I'll say Clippers in six. I'm going Clippers in five. Damn. Feel very strongly about that. That's my that's my pick to win it all. So I'm I'm gonna go big with them for sure. The last matchup for the playoffs in the Western Conference: the number two Suns versus the number three Denver Nuggets. The Suns came off a four-two win over the Lakers without AD for the majority of that series. And the Nuggets come off a 4-2 win over the Blazers without Jamal Murray for the majority of the season. So there you go. Trading. The Suns are a little better defensively than the Blazers are. So how do you think Jokic will fare? Because we both know that if Jokic shut down, 
there's no way this Nugget team goes anywhere. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, without without Jokic, they're not anything. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I think I think he's going to trend fine. I mean, he, he has a way of, of commanding the game. I mean, we've seen that. I mean, he's not the MB, he's not the probable MVP for nothing. I say probable. I don't know. I assume that he's he's definitely in the top two, um, and I think most of, most of it's leaning towards him. Obviously, he's able to take over games, and Jamal Murray's been out for most of that uh, most of the season, or at least a lot of the season, and he's been able to put up these numbers. So he he can he can manage. That's not the issue. I think the issue is everything else behind, right? Um, I you know th- that's that's the issue with the team. Um, that being said, I love the 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 pairing of uh, Morris Monty Morris off the off the bench. When he comes off the bench, he's been stellar. Um, I mean, for a guy off the bench putting down 15 points and making Jokic's life that much easier, those guys are 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 getting it done. And no, I'm not going to say that he's a perfect. Um, uh, repl- uh, you know, you can't ever replace. Uh, Jamal Murray, but you can definitely, you know, um, you know, fill in the void a little bit. And I think that that, that Morris is fitting that <laughs> to a T, you know, Morris back in 2019 had some issues um, in the playoffs. Like he just, he couldn't, he couldn't drop anything. He couldn't drop a three. He could, he really, he really seemed like he, you know, wasn't a playoff type of caliber player, but he's hit, hitting a 40 or a 42% from threes you know, after going zero for 13 in 2019 and everyone was questioning, can you do it in the playoffs? And he's proving them wrong. He's stepping up when he needs to. And he's also, you know, he's 25 years old. So he's not, I mean, he's, he's near that veteran age, not quite, but he's, he's put, he's bringing in a huge, he's, he's bringing a lot to the table. And I think that that's a huge reason why they're they're um, They did, they've done so well, especially as a, as a bench player. Um, so I think Jokic is going to be fine. It's just, if, if Morris can continue, if Michael Porter can continue um, and they can, they can just suffocate, um, you know, the, the uh, Suns, and it's going to be a defense. It's going to be more of a defensive battle for sure, but I think they'll be fine. Jokic will be anyway. So I'm covering the Suns and I don't really know what to expect from them. Like when you hear it, you're like, oh yeah, the Suns beat the Lakers and like, damn, they must be a damn good team. But it was a Lakers team that didn't have AD for a lot of it. And AD is a pretty integral part of that team. Mm-hmm. So how good are the Suns really? That's what we're going to find out in this series because they're playing a team that has Jokic and has a lot of complementary players. Complementary players have stepped up and done well. Um, the thing that I like about the Suns is that they have an inside game and an outside game. The Blazers pretty much just relied on Dame and CJ. There was no inside game whatsoever. The Suns have DeAndre Hayden. He doesn't put up massive offensive numbers, but he's a presence. And he's damn good at setting screens, and he can play the pick and roll game really well, which is why Chris Paul is as good as the way, as good as he is. If Chris Paul can run that pick and roll with DeAndre, well, you find open guys, and they hit D Book in the corner for a three. D Book can also drive, which I found out in that Lakers series. I thought D Book was more of just a spot up shooter, but no, nah, D Book is an all around player. He's a killer. D Book is up there in my books as one of the better all around shooting guards this NBA has. So he's going to be really fun to watch. If CP3 can get super healthy and play the way he did in the season and not like he did the first three games of the Lakers series, you're going to see the Suns take this one handedly. But that's to be determined. Only time will tell. Right, Tyler? Yep. <laughs> but let's make some picks here. Eric, oh, wait, I do like that. I do like that matchup between Aiton and Jokic, though. I, I, think, I think that's going to be a very interesting – because to your point, 
to the question you asked, is Jokic going to be fine? I think he is, but I think he's going to have, I mean, Aiton's at 10 total rebounds a game over a course of six games. That is, he's, he's going to be a tough, tough, uh, tough competitor. I'd like, I think. The thing about that is that Jokic shoots three. Well, DeAndre Aiden doesn't really guard the perimeter. So I have no idea what's going to happen if DeAndre Aiden leaves the paint. Like, is he going to be a plus defender or a minus defender? My bet is if DeAndre Aiden leaves the paint, he's going to be a minus defender. Which leaves Jokic to be out there just starting nailing threes. Doing his thing. And that's what I'm afraid of. <laughs> yeah. Eric, who wins it and how many? Uh, I got the Nuggets in seven. I think they're just oh. um, good. They're just a good team all around. They got the experience from last year, and their coach knows how to good, make good changes and keep them motivated. Trading. I got Nuggets in five. Oh, big time. All right. All right, man. Uh, Ty. I'm going to go Suns and seven. I'm going to go Suns and five, Trayton. Okay. So we'll see about that one. We'll see who wins. (laughs) uh, What's up, Eric? No, you're good. good. Keep going. I was about to say, man, I'm done with my segment. So it's all you. Yeah. The crazy thing is, as you guys were just talking about this, I had Winnipeg-Montreal game on. It's going to overtime, so I changed it to the Nuggets-Suns game. As Traden's talking about Morris, he drives in and scores. Then you start talking about DeAndre Ayton, like being good on both sides of the ball, gets a defensive stop, and then is in the paint and scores on Jokic. Then you mentioned Jokic on the perimeter, literally makes a three on the perimeter. And then the last thing you said, Devin Booker, assassin, can get it done in all ways, drives in, sets up a whole play over to Crowder for an and one three. It's literally like everything you guys analyzed was happening as I was watching it. I wish I would have just filmed it. It would have been perfect, but. TLDR podcast, we know everything. We know know everything because time will tell. And time will tell us when we get back that we're going to go into the NHL playoffs, which um, we're already in round two as well. So stay tuned, guys. We are back, everybody, and we like to keep it simple like an NHL power play. Um, That's not Because we're very simple. You just got to keep it simple, right, Trey? Yes. And, and we're in round two already, so let's let's get right into it. Yes, sir. All right, guys, we're in the middle of round two. The... The, the matchups have been quite interesting. You have you have one side of it that just seems to be going back and forth in the East. You have one series in uh, in the Central that seems like the 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 Stanley Cup or the four, or the um, you know the Stanley Cup champs of last year are, are you know taking it over. And then you have an amazing series in the in the Pacific, and then quite a shocking turn of events in in the north i mean i i expected it to be a lot closer and it's not we'll get to that um there there's going to be a video involved with that one i'm sure you guys know where i'm going with that one but we will talk about that when we get there we're gonna start in the east right now actually um the new york islanders are leading the boston bruins three to two eric i'm i feel like you haven't been a part of any of these hockey discussions you know, because you've been gone for the last two weeks. I, I first want to know your perspective on kind of the entire playoffs. Or I don't, I'm sure you've watched a lot. Do you like, is the, is the quality of hockey 
really good. I mean, I feel like it's really good, but what is your, uh, what's your uh, take on it? Yeah, you might be uh, flustered with my response, but it's pretty good, good quality all around, except one place, fucking Canada. Um, for multiple reasons. One, they're lagging on all their COVID shit. As you've seen, barely any fans in the building. It took forever for Montreal and Toronto to finally get fans. We had a disappointing series with your boys. I, I know you probably already covered that a lot. Um, but, okay, bad series there. Then we have probably a video you're going to show. I'm going to guess now is Mark Shifley's incident. We'll get there. Um, you know, and then now we have the Winnipeg Jets potentially about to get swept. Like, so we just have, like, two series right there that are just, you know, one team dominating. The other's kind of doing whatever. Um, hey, hold up, hold up. It's not domination, man. It's a sweep. Yeah. But if you watch the Oilers-Jets games, they were, like, very close. They were very yeah. Yeah. There was no domination either point, way. To James's point, I, I will go down in history, and I will die on the, uh, die saying this. I think that that series against the Oilers was the closest sweep you'll ever see in sports. I mean, th- four one-goal games and three overtimes, one triple yeah. overtime. I mean, true. you can't get that, clo- no that much closer in a sweep. It's similar you know? to, to the um, when the Kings got swept by Vegas. It's even yeah. more close than that series. Yes. And that series was like one goal games. There was one double overtime game, which was game two. Um, but yeah, three out of those four were one goal games in that Kings Vegas series a while back. But yeah, this series, that series wasn't even close to your right. So yeah, not domination, just, you know, boring to see one team win all four games. But then, you know, you get the Montreal Toronto series. It's just, Here's another thing. They've been airing all those games like midway through the other games and then they're playing them on, you know, other channels. And it's just like, if there's only two games that day, why not play the Canadian game either earlier or later? And then whatever game is going on, I get, I guess today it was because it was in Boston and then it was in Montreal, but still like, I I could could have a rant. I could, I could do a rant on how, how my, I have issues with the way NBC has has presented yeah. our game in the last few years, yeah. and I guess they don't really give a shit. They're losing their contract anyway, so yeah. So I feel like I haven't been able to really like watch many of the Canadian games, and the ones I do, like I don't know why. Like you just you see Florida versus Tampa, full full fans, full arena, and it's electric. And after every play, they're like pushing each other around, face wash. Like it looks like the, the, how hockey once was, and then. Mm-hmm. You get Carolina, Nashville, you know, it's like, so when you watch those series with full fans and there's, they're going overtime games and they're going back and forth. And then you watch this Montreal Maple Leafs, the Maple Leafs collapse, you know, and those games that collapsed, they were all just, just hard to watch. Yeah. Um, But other than that, it actually has been great. It's been fun to watch and fuck. I mean, (laughs) of course, Vegas is all of a sudden rolling again, but I think it's been great. I've been trying to watch it as much as I can. Good it's stuff. just been harder to watch the Canadian ones, but you know, is so answer me this. If like Montreal wins tonight, they're playing winner of Vegas, Colorado. That like, I feel like any team that was going to come out of Canada, like if they play Vegas, Colorado. We, <laughs> I, 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 how can you not say they're going to get destroyed by one of those? Yeah. Teams? I've said this on this podcast. I think that the two, lesser teams in the north lost or 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 made it through it on paper right i mean yeah. the way the hockey the, the way the hockey works is you know it 
in the in the course of seven games is 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 a different thing. But the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Edmonton Oilers are the better of the two teams in the, of those four, and they're not moving on. And James, you can attest to this, and we'll and we will get to this series. The type of hockey that we're watching between the Vegas and Colorado games is like night and day compared to that North series. I mean, does anybody disagree? That's, yeah, no, that's like another reason why I'm just like, it's hard to watch these. The Canadian speed games. is completely different. James, you've said this. <laughs> Montreal's almost lulling the jets to sleep. <laughs> it's working, dude. They're it's working. Game. It's working. The thing is, if they, if just, they move on, what's going to happen when they play a Vegas or Colorado, that's fast. They're gonna do the same shit unless you yeah. adjust. If if they slow the game down, they, they might have a chance to to lull them to sleep. Um, and but we'll get to those series. I, I the, before before I move yeah. on, I wanted to ask you, Eric. You've kind of championed for the Boston Bruins this season. They're down three two in the series. Um, I mean, you, you you've talked good things about them in times where I, I have raised my eyebrows. Yes, you've given them high <laughs> grades, I guess. When I and I raised my eyebrows, but you've been right. I mean, they, they're, they're built for the playoffs. Do you think that they are going to force a game seven? I don't want them to. I actually want the Islanders to win. Um, yeah, one other thing I was just going to say is, like, those Islanders, all those games have been great. Those have been some of the best ones of the playoffs so far. The Islanders-Bruins series, they match up pretty well. Are, There's been have. three overtime games in a row. Today, you know, or maybe it was two overtime games in a row. But they've all been somewhat close and battles and – full full stadiums and everything about it is just great yeah i awesome though they just the boston reminds me of the nuggets like how they have all this playoff experience they have a good coach that motivates them gets them going and they're normally the team when they lose like they did today they're going to bounce back in game six and force a game seven except this year i think the islanders they got Barry Trotz. He's going to find a way to tell them, like, you have them where you need them right now. You're going home to end them in a game six, and let's do that. So I think they're going to pull it off game six, overtime winner by Brock Nelson. I love it. Tyler, um, the Islanders have have played this Boston team quite well. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I don't see – I do see the top lines getting it done, but there's not much beyond that on the Boston side. Are you, are you concerned about the, this lack of secondary scoring? And do you think that, do you, I mean, granted Taylor Hall has a, has a goal in one game, but I, I just feel like they're not, there's something missing there. I mean, do, do you think, I guess, same question. Do you think boss, do, A, do you worry about the secondary scoring and B, do you think that they can force game, uh, game seven here? Yeah, I'm a little bit worried. Just, it, it hasn't really shown up in the series a whole lot. I mean, Pasternik and, you know, uh, Marshan have been, Pasternak and Marshan, they've been they've been their regular selves, but in playoff hockey, you know, especially against this team like the Islanders that are just so consistent. Like mm-hmm. you know, even their fourth line is just it's a really good solid line, um, and they just seem to wear out opponents because of their depth. And they just play like lines one through four are just so consistent with 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 the way they play, and they just wear you down. And they're a really good matchup against this boston team that's a very physical team and the islanders are arguably more physical than than, than boston is they they just constantly wear you out um i think they're especially the last two games when you know we kind of get, we're starting to get deep into this series where like we've had that you know those those physical grinding games i think boston's starting to get a little tired that's kind of what it looked like in, in this game they did kind of fight back there uh toward the end um but it just seems like late in games it, it just seems like the islanders are just they're consistently playing the same game all 60 minutes and the, and Boston just goes through, goes through these waves. 
Um, and I think that just wearing Boston out right now. Um, so I, I honestly think this is going to end in six. The, 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 the Islanders are going back to their home arena in front of their home crowd. I think that the, the Islanders are going to move on in six. Uh, James, the Islanders have been outshot quite handedly, but that seems par for their course for this team. Um, I, do you think that they can sustain this level of this type of hockey where they just they, they take their they take their opportunities when they when they're few and far, but they really don't force the issue. And sometimes that can bite you in the butt when you're not scoring enough. Uh, clearly they are, but do you worry about them even if they get past Boston against a team like Tampa? Even if they get past Boston, it doesn't worry me. Like you said, they are good at situational and opportunistic scoring. They're not forcing it. They're taking what's being given to them. And typically that means more efficient and less energy on your end. Because typically when you shoot a puck, you're like, oh, I hope it goes in. And then the amount of times that you missed from that point forward, it kind of wears on you. But for this instant, they're taking a shot and it's going in because they're picking their spots. They're giving what's been given to them. They're not forcing anything. They're playing within the flow of their offense. They're playing within the flow of their defense. It's a well-coached team that has chemistry and has the ability to just play their game. And that's showing right here now. Mm-hmm. Now, will they beat Boston? I don't know. I don't like the Islanders. <laughs> I really don't. Not a huge fan of them <laughs> at all. Um, I want Boston to win this big time. But it, it comes to the point where forcing it too much becomes detrimental to you and your style of play. I agree. The Islanders are just letting it happen. They're going with the flow. And it's working yeah. for them. Yeah, they, they they tend to they tend to play the game in a way that I mean I, I don't like that much, but I really appreciate its effectiveness. Um, they they don't necessarily control the game. They let they they let the game kind of come to them, and they 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 work. They make sure they keep the everyone out on the outside, which is what we're taught at day one. You know, keep the keep all the play to the outside, especially in your own zone, and then get to the middle when you're when you're in the offensive zone. And they play that they play a very fundamental game. And James, I've said this to you um, last weekend I, or last week, I said that hockey's not a hard sport to understand. I mean, it, it's, it's very easy and, and, and it's very easy to understand. It's, it's a North and South game and that's the way the Islanders play and it's being, and it's working. And the Canadians are moving on. Bye-bye. Foley. Winnipeg. Game Jets. winner. Yeah, wow. Tyler to Foley. That's my team. I was watching commercials. <laughs> we will we, we will get there. But as the last team to start the second round, they're the first team to make it to the – they are the North Division champions. Um, but before we get to that one, I want to talk about the team that will be playing. First of all, um, uh, we'll go around the horn. James, I'm pretty sure you have Islanders winning. Do you have them winning in six or seven? I don't, I'm not having Islanders win at all, man. I'm sorry, Don't James. <laughs> Seven, okay. Uh, Tyler, who, yeah. and you said six for the yeah, Islanders, Islanders right? and six, yeah. Eric, do you, what, who do you got? Islanders and six. Yeah, I, I think we all agree. Um, I, I mean, I, I actually, I'm actually going to go against you guys. I'm going to say that they win in seven. I think that Boston's going to come in and push the, and push it to a game seven. It's just what they do. But I think the Islanders are going to be able to dictate game seven, even though they will be on the road. Um, they will be playing the winner of the Central um, Division. And right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning lead the uh, Carolina Hurricanes 3-1 to one in the series. Um, guys, I had a little bit higher hopes for this series in terms of the matchup, or in terms of the, the amount of games. I thought it was going to be like more of a 3-2, to two or, or I'm sorry, 2-2 two to two matchup. That being said, these games are fun as fuck to watch. 
very, very fast. Both teams look like Harlem Globetrotters at different times. Like they just pass the puck around and they, and there's a lot of good puck movement, but then it flips to the other side, the next period or the next 10 minutes. And it's just back and forth. Uh, Saturday's game, that second period, eight goals in 20 minutes. It was, <laughs> we were, we were, I had some people over James, you were there. It seems like every time we took a bite of a burger, we looked up, there was another goal. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't a replay of the game ball before it was a new goal. <laughs> so um, it was, it's just been an absolutely fun series. I will say Carolina probably deserves to be two, two, but Tampa Bay's found a way to, to, you know, make it a three, one series. And to be honest with you, after Tampa Bay won the first two in a two to one fashion on the road, uh, I didn't think Carolina had a chance to, to come back in the series, and I still don't. Um, I'm just going to be blunt. I wanted to ask you, Tyler, the goaltending situation in Carolina has been very questionable. Peter Mrazek is at an 87 save percentage, and Nadelkovic is at a 91%. <sighs> First of all, who do you go with in game, in game five? Yeah, so this was a topic we brought up with Carolina with their – you know, the, all the, all the gold turns they use, they only have, you know, one guy that they've used, they've utilized all season. They used a bunch of different guys, two or three different goaltenders that were all playing very well. Now you got the situation where none of them are really stepping up and playing at that high level. So now you're just shit. Now everything's kind of flipped on you. Right. So there's almost no bad choice. Now there's, it's almost like there's no good choice. Um, I like, I don't know. It, it's, it's tough. I just, I, I don't know. Uh, Nedelovic or however the fuck you say his name, I'd probably go with him. Um, he just seems to have a little bit more energy, um, a little more presence out there. Um, that's who I would go with. But honestly, like with the way this lightning power play has been going on, damn, man, I don't think any goaltender can stop that. <laughs> I, yeah, it would be very interesting. Um, Barlamov might be the guy if they do end up playing the Islanders. Um, James, which team has really i mean which which first of all which team are you really focusing on and, and wanting to win the series and and i guess why uh lighting lighting are fun to watch yeah i told you this i texted you like three weeks ago when they first started playoffs and i was like oh shit the lightning i forgot how good they're gonna be yeah because they're a three seed and you're like oh they kind of cut them out they're a victim of their record because they play playoff hockey and they don't give a shit about the regular season yes and so people can cut them out from the get-go but then you're in there and you're watching them and like oh my god Stamkos is doing so well, and he was out for a while. And then it's like, um, who's the other guy who was out for a while? Headman? Uh, Kutra. Who's out for a while? Kutra, there we go. He was out for all season. All season. And he's out there just straight up dominating. The dude has six points in four games, so that's a damn good – In this series alone. More than point-per-game average. Yeah, like he's insane. They're fun to watch. I love the offense. If you get into a shootout against the Lightning, you're probably going to lose, and that's what's happening right now. So I'm going to – I mean, Tampa Bay is going to win this next game and Cedar is going to be over. Ooh, I, I like it. Um, Eric, what – A, what has caught your eye on this series? And do you think that Carolina has any chance in hell to, to move on even past game five? I think they do have a chance to move on. Um, the only way is if Nedeljkovic snaps back in – to his mode of playing better like he did. He played well enough against the Predators. Um, but, you know, he gave up some bad goal. Like, so the first game, I thought 
Carolina came out buzzing just all over the place. Uh, lots of good opportunities, but then Vasilevsky did what he did, kept him alive, kept him in it. Then, you know, Lightning score, Lightning do what they do. They could just win in any style in any way. That's what's so dangerous about them. But I feel like Carolina, those first two games, you know, played well enough, but Nedeljkovic had some some off goals that he let in, and they ended up losing those. Um, you'd think they're out for the count. They win game three in overtime. And then, you know, the last game, they're up 4-2 to start the third. But – I feel like they took their foot off the gas a little bit and Tampa just, you know, as we've been saying, how just stacked they are, their experience, and they could change the game at any moment. So I think they just need their top-notch goaltending and they could push this to six, maybe seven games. But I want the Canes to win. I think it's going to be too late for them, but it'd be great to see a game seven out of this series. it absolutely would. These two teams are, are very well coached and very, very well constructed. That being said, to your point, a, a good team, especially in the playoffs, it doesn't matter how the game is going. They can win in any fashion, to your point, Eric. They, if, they, if you want to go to a shootout, they'll win in a shootout. When I say shootout, I don't mean literally shootout. I mean what James said, like a, a shootout, like where they're going six to five or whatever. Or they can win the close two one games. Or they can beat you in overtime or they can come back from a 4-2 deficit. Insert type of game here. They are resilient. They find a way to win. And it doesn't matter how – they don't care about how ugly it is or how it looks. They just ask how many, and that's, and that's how they play. And I'm going to say that Tampa is going to win this next game, um, and, and it's going to be over to James's point. Uh, Eric – James, you already answered the question. Eric, who do you have – where who's obviously do you have if you have Tampa Bay winning how many games if not is Carolina gonna win I got Tampa winning in seven seven wow okay we're gonna get two more okay uh Tyler I'm gonna go Tampa in six I think think, think they'll get one more I like that just with the way the Uh, games have been so close like they're 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 gonna get one yeah um that'll be an interesting matchup I mean we have the Islanders that means we'll have the Islanders playing Tampa Bay um, and that will be quite the interesting matchup. They'll be again, the guys. This is the first time that you're going to play your a team outside your division. It's going to be so exciting. Um, moving on to the Pacific Division. Wow, what a division! What a I'm sorry, what a series. Uh, it opened up with Colorado just absolutely. I, I don't. I think, and I ta- and I know that I talked about the goalie decision. Now that I've slept on it, I think that it wouldn't have mattered even if Flurry was in that game one. There was no way in hell Colorado was losing that game one. And then things really started to change. Um, after that first period in game two, uh, we saw the Vegas Golden Knights finally find their stride and they haven't looked back, even though they lost game two. James, I know that you're going for Colorado. I'm going for the Vegas Golden Knights. We sit with it with a three game, you know, it's a best of three now. What do you think Colorado has to do to really cha- change the tide? Because it seems like they're getting run over. Dude, okay. They need to shoot on goal any chance they get and take that. Because right now they're looking for the perfect play. And it's stupid. The amount of shot different difference right now is ridiculous. Grubar, the uh, goalie for uh, Colorado, he's faced 144 shots. And the combination of Leonard and Flower have faced 100 shots. That's a 44-shot difference between four games. Like, that's not okay. You're not going to win those. If you don't shoot, you're not going to have an opportunity to score. 
Stop finding the perfect play and take what they give you. I said this with the Islanders. Take the shot that they give you. It may not be the prettiest one. And I talked about how simple you guys were in the first game. I was like, yo, they do the simple things. It's easy. It's good. Now they, they started to show off. They started, they went to Vegas and they were like, oh, we're in Vegas now. Let's be more like Vegas. And that ain't your game style, man. You don't do the pretty plays. You do the simple ones. Go back to Colorado where it's bland and boring, but effective. Do what you got to do. It's disappointing that they changed their game style because they just went to a different arena. Yeah, I agree. Uh, Eric, there, one thing that point that I point out is we have two very fast teams. We have two very, very quick teams. I am going to say this. The Golden Knights are faster than the Colorado Avalanche and the Colorado Avalanche cannot keep up. Do you, A, do you agree? And B, do you see Colorado finding a way to slow this Vegas team down? Um, you just said A and B, do you see? Did you realize that? <laughs> um, Didn't really realize that. Uh, yeah, I, before the series started, I wouldn't believe you when you said Vegas is faster, but now I kind of do believe you. I think they're faster to the areas they need to be. Yes. And, and then uh, also to James's point, Last game, like Colorado comes out, they score the first goal, but then they're, they're trying to like be too fancy and look for the right shot. It's like where Vegas is running gun and they're setting plays up and just firing on goal. And you see that it's working. Um, what was the second question you asked again, though? Can Colorado slow this Vegas team down? Uh, I think they got one more chance to. Um <sighs> Uh, this this is actually, you know, it's going to test, really show how good of a coach they have. Do they come out and make some changes? Um, you know, I, I'd say Colorado, their weakness versus Vegas is their, their back end, their D, their D guys maybe aren't as established and play as well as Vegas's guys do. You know, Vegas has Martinez, Theodore. Um, is, is Riley Smith? No, he's a forward, right, or center. But just the D men that they have, have experience oh yeah petrangelo of course all these guys have won well theodore hasn't won a cup he's been in a cup final martinez has won a cup petrangelo has won a cup they know what it takes to win they know how, what it takes to to do their roles i think that's where avalanche are kind of lacking is their d side of things um i think they're going to turn it around on the goal scoring end and they're going to be better with that but they got one more chance. We'll see. It's going to be interesting. Um, fuck, it's tough. I think it, we're going to see seven games. And wow. and McKinnon's been in one game seven before where he kind of got screwed over by a call when they were playing the Sharks. And then, you know, Vegas has been in a lot of game sevens. They seem to do the best in game sevens. So yeah. it's looking like Vegas in seven is wow. what I would say. Tyler, something that I've noticed since game one is the, the top line of Colorado is just not getting it done. And we're, I mean, I sat here and said that Nathan McKinnon was a shoe in for the con Smythe and the last three games have, you know, not, I'm not going to say he's not, but they've given me pause and I've seen Vegas have more of a two, one, two punch in their first two lines are, and are you con first of all? Are you concerned about the the top the lack of scoring from the top line? And do you think that the that the secondary scoring can kind of supplement this team enough to to keep them in it? 
Um, I would, if I was an Avs fan, I would be a little worried after the last two games, but they're going to figure it out. Just like, you know, every, you know, James and Alex, both of you guys were ready to just hand call out of this series after game one. And I said, just wait a second. Vegas is a good fucking team. They're going to make the adjustment. They're going to figure it out. And that's what they've done. And they're going to grind. And as, as you mentioned, they're a great, they're a great hockey team. And this is going to be a hell, a hell of a battle. This isn't going to be, you know, I don't, I don't think Vegas is going to win the next two games by no means. They're not going to just run away with this and Colorado's going to come back. I think their, their top line will find their uh, mojo again, um, which is a scary thought. Gru Bauer is an absolute machine back there in net. He's going to be great for them. Like I said, Vegas with, with flurry, with the amount of veteran leadership they have on that team all, um, all throughout, they're a great team as well. So this is easily the best hockey series that we've seen this season in the playoffs, um, probably one of the best in recent memory. I think there's no doubt it's going to go to seven games. I think Vegas will be victorious in seven games. But as I said, you know, Colorado will make the adjustment just like Vegas did after game one. You know, that's how series go. And that's how you want good series to go. You want to see those ebbs and flows. You don't want to see a team win every single game. You don't want to see these teams dominate. You want to see these games where it's like after game one, you think one team has it. And then we're halfway through the series and we're, we're all on, on, on Vegas winning. But, you know, Colorado's probably going to come back here in game five and shove it to, to Vegas. And we'll, mm-hmm. just keep, we'll, keep, we'll just keep going back and forth. And that's what you got to love about uh, good good playoff hockey. James, do you have anything to say? You look kind of – you wanted to yeah. say something. So, just, just so you know, I did – I wanted to hand call out of the series. And my main point was that Flurry isn't going to play the same level as he played against the series against the, the Wild. Against the Wild, Flurry had a 9.36 save percentage. And I said he'd have a nine. Right now, his, he has a nine zero five. Yeah. So I'm pretty spot on in that aspect of it. Given the fact that Colorado is going to go back to Colorado, where the air is thin, and Flurry's probably going to be in goal at his age, at his the amount of goals he's faced in his career, how is he going to fare in thin air? He he he's faced a lot of goals this postseason alone. He's played a lot. Like he's older. He's, I think he'll maybe he'll come out with a 9 1 to end the series, but I think he's going to be the detriment for the Golden Knights. And that's speaking big because he, he's wow. pretty much been their savior as of late. But he's in, he's not going to make the, he's not going to make a key save at, the, at a key time. And it's going to end up costing him a game. Uh, the series. That's quite bold because I completely disagree. Um, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> And the, the guys let in six goals against over, th- over, over three games at two goals, two goals against a game. It's pretty damn good. That's, that's enough for, for, to you to, for you to win a game on. Um, I would argue that if from the second period of game two for the, for the next 12 periods, the Vegas golden Knights have absolute, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the next uh, eight periods, the Vegas golden Knights have been the better team by far. They have absolutely stomped the Colorado Avalanche in every single facet. Grubauer is outplaying Flurry, but also the shot difference, as you mentioned, is way off. I mean, I, I would say that Flurry is probably not getting enough shots to keep him motivated. He loves to eat those pucks. He loves to touch that. And the Vegas Golden Knights are giving him nothing. Um, and so he has made. I would say. I would say he has made key saves because Colorado does have the does have the tendency and did have the tendency, especially even last game. They get those moments where they do end up making those good shots, and they and they'll they, they make some some amazing plays where I'm at the edge of my seat and and flurries come up big. I I think that 
I would say that Grubauer is outplaying Flurry. Obviously, that is no doubt. I'm I'm with you on that. Yes, he does have a weak save percentage, but he does only have like 64 shots against. <laughs> I mean, it, it, over three games, that's not it's that's not, for a team that is known to be dominant across the ice on five on five. The uh, the the Colorado Avalanche are not getting it done. I, so I go back to game two and we get it. We get a text right after game two that said from Alex, who's not here. And unfortunately he can't back himself up. He said, wow, Ve- uh, Vegas sucks. And I thought about it and I said, hmm, <laughs> either a, you didn't watch the fucking game, Alex, or B you're just saying that because you hate Vegas, which is fine. You can, you can hate Vegas. I don't really give a shit. If it wasn't for Grubauer, this would be a three, one series. Does anybody disagree with me on that? There's just no way. I mean, they've been absolutely dominant. 110 shots to 54 shots over eight periods. It's been absolute dominance. And, and Colorado looks flat-footed. The only thing that's keeping them in it is Grubauer. And now Grubauer is at the full front for the cons, Mike, if they win now. It, it, it just All I'm going to say is, I, 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 James, I think, I think that you've been – definitely more level-headed but hey like you can't tell me vegas sucks after after your t- after the the colorado probably shouldn't have won that game oh and by the way in suck. overtime the one penalty that was called be- to force that overtime goal i hate that penalty i mean i don't think that should be a penalty <laughs> but yeah hey, especially james to your point you said this to me earlier you said that they were calling nothing especially in that triple overtime against the oilers and now all of a sudden they're calling fucking everything that's absolute bullshit i think the refs are are, are, are shoving it up our ass because we complain so much but i didn't say they sucked i never said they once said they sucked i never said they sucked no i know you didn't i know you didn't um the, well the refs did the refs do suck they did they did <laughs> suck that's for sure you you did say that the refs pocketed the whistle way more than they should have in that triple overtime and now oh I, yeah the refs happened. i thought you said the, the knights no i have never once said the knights sucked that was, no no i put no. some respect in them dude um all that being said, Alex, I, I, you may hit the you may hit the Knights, but you know, check yourself because <laughs> the past eight periods have been domination. Um, that being said, we're going back to Colorado. It's a three, it, and Colorado has home ice advantage. James, who do you have winning this series? Colorado in six. Wow, do you think they're going they can yeah. go in Vegas and beat them? I yeah. like it. I love it. Uh, Tyler, what do you got? Vegas in seven. Eric? Yeah, I agree with Alex Alex in the fact that I'm not the biggest Vegas fan, but I got them winning Vegas in seven. Yeah, I have Vegas in seven as well. I I think that Colorado is going to figure it out. And I think it's going to be – I think that Vegas is going to have to win – I mean, obviously they have to win one game um, on the road, and I think it would be game seven. Uh, I, I think Colorado figures it out. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say they won't. I, ju- I just think that they have been dominated up and down the ice, but they just need to make some tweaks. James, to your point, they need to simplify the game. They're, they're thinking, they're too, they're galaxy brain. They don't need to be. This is an easy game, north and south. And that's why Vegas does so well. Moving on to the final series that actually just ended, the Habs are your North Division champions. James, at a time where you, at the beginning of the season, you thought that they were going to win this, the, the division. They didn't in the regular season. We actually worried if they were even going to make the playoffs. And here they are. They upset the Toronto Maple Leafs, who haven't won, who haven't won in elimination game where they would have moved on. They're 0 for, uh, was it 0 for 9 since 2018. 
So congratulations, Leafs. You fucking suck. Um, and then they go on and win. So they, that, I guess what? They are, have won seven games in a row now. James, yeah. what? Explain. Carry Price. Plain and simple. Alex, <laughs> yeah. me and Alex were talking last week, you know, and he was like, dude, Hellebuck's like the best goalie this league has to offer. And I was like, yeah, you might be right about that, but Carey Price is the best playoff goalie this league has to offer. That being said, before this game today, because I don't have the stats on that, before this game, Carey Price had a .954 save percentage. That dude was turning away everything. The Habs offense isn't all there, like I mentioned last week. Carey Price just carries this team. If he can continue to do that, which I have no doubt in my mind that he will. I mean, he hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. And in the playoffs, Carey Price always does well. So here we go. I mean, how far can he take this team? I mean, he's not play that any further series. after this series because now they got to play real teams, not these terrible Canadian teams that we've seen all year that just don't have what it takes, like Vegas or Colorado, right, Trayvon? I, I think <laughs> it's James a different style of game, man. It's a different style of game. Yeah, it's, who's going to be able to adapt to that more? And to be honest with you, the Canadian teams have more of a variance in style of play at the beginning of the year they had they scored the most goals they were they were insane they were explosive canadian teams had the most exciting games at the beginning of the season because the amount of goals scored per game and then now they slowed down right so now you're seeing both sides of the coin they played teams that are explosive aka vegas and colorado and they played teams that are slow aka new york They've seen a bigger variance of play and have adapted to all that styles of play. They've seen it all. On the flip side of that, you have you play the West teams who pretty much just have two good teams in it, and then you play the shit teams like the Ducks and the Kings. Like, what are you really <laughs> learning from those teams? Absolutely nothing. You're not learning shit from them. So honestly, it's the Vegas Golden Knights and the Colorado Avalanche just know how to play one style of game and just, and defend one style of game. That's going to be the detriment. Wow, that's again bold. The Canadians. Uh... I think like just them being such underdogs has made them like that much better each series yeah. too. Yeah, they, so they have nothing to lose. They're gonna go into this being the ultimate underdog, whoever they do face. And like I think they love it. Like they oh, yeah. love bringing up, up that upon. And they do have you know guys like Corey Perry, all these dudes that have experience, and then all their young guys are stepping up. So it is gonna be, I guess, interesting now that you say that. All that said, the Canadian teams by far were the weakest defensively and goaltending wise by far of any division. I mean, they, they are the worst division. <laughs> I'll admit it. So the Oilers are in there. You can lump them in there. They were terrible. Um, I, James, I love, I, I love the take because I, I think that, I think you actually have a point that, you know, they might have a chance to, to, to be, to be, to upset in some shape or form and slow the game down. They have, I have Colorado wing at all. So they ain't winning shit, but I mean, they, they'll, they'll take it to them. Like it'll be exciting to watch. They'll be, different and they may see the game or two but they can win it the 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 difference though what you don't see outside of the canadian teams is the depth all these other teams have more than one line and you know except for boston except for boston but we have to get through we have to get through a you know we have to get through a, a vegas or a colorado first right um that said the i well, obviously the uh, Montreal's going in. Um, there's not much more to say there, um, but there was controversy in game one. Uh, 
I'll show you guys. I'm going to share my screen much like Tyler does. Um, we have here a situation, a very interesting situation. And, and James, uh, you, what I, what I loved about this situation was, you know, you, you texted me and I, you know, I had to see it again because there's quite, there's a lot going on here. So let me give you context. It's four, three Montreal's up four, three in game one. There's an empty net guys. Can you see the screen? I'm making sure. Yep. Okay. Uh, there's a minute left and the, the puck is iced completely by Montreal, but Jake Evans is way ahead of the play and negates the, the, the icing and there's an empty net. So what he does is he goes around the net going for the, going for the, um, the uh, empty netter and Mark Shifley's barreling in and, trucks him and i called that i called that that was gonna happen before it happened uh i was sitting with my uh, my fiance and i just i couldn't believe i saw that hit but here it is absolutely just bone crushing hit oh and i, I want to put i want to go to the i want to slow it down with a different angle really quick so you guys can see you know a different perspective because it is an interesting because it is interesting to see other perspectives right oh god dude he he, he was he was knocked out before he you know, before he even hit the ice and, you know, night James night. mentioned that um, before I get to James, I, I want to get the other two talking Tyler. What is your initial thought about that play? I mean, my, <laughs> what a hit, but at the same time, like, I mean, it, it seemed like the most, this is what the NHL is trying to get rid of. Yeah. Right. Those, those hits, the heads. And I mean, that's probably one of the, mo one of the more, probably high speed collisions I think I've seen just because Shifley was, I mean, he was going full speed right at him and clearly got 100%, right? Like in the hockey, you know, you, you like you see hits where guys kind of like at the last second, we'll see each other and, and like quick kind of trying to avoid them. They'll still make good contact and, and guys will still get hurt. Um, but that was like, one of the most like just solid impact hits where you, I mean, it was like that guy might be dead, like honestly yeah. might be dead. Um, so, I mean, I knew, I knew right away the NHL was going to crack down on that and be like, you're sitting probably the rest. I thought he was going to be out going into next season, to be honest with you. Wow. <laughs> but um, before I give my take that, that leads me to my next question. I want to ask you, Eric, uh, they, Mark Shifley had a, um, had a hearing, and he was slapped with a four game suspension, which equivalent to, you know, the regular season, like playoff suspension is, is, you know, prorated, I guess you could say. So four games is equivalent to like eight to 10 games in the regular season. Do you think this was the right punishment too harsh, not harsh enough? Where do you, where are you side? Um, and why? Well, Ryan Reeves got a two game suspension for bashing a dude's head on the ice and then choking him out with his knee. So, you know, but then you, you look at Kadri with his like head hit, he gets eight games, but he's a repeat offender. Reeves is an repeat, repeat offender. Shifley uh, doesn't really normally do shit like this. I think it should have been a two game suspension. I think I agree with Tyler, like the game's trying to get rid of this. He probably, I know he's trying to prevent a game-winning empty net goal in the playoffs, but, like, at least just, like, stick lift the dude. <laughs> he would have had a better chance stick lifting the dude or putting his stick in the way. Like, it, like what? It, that's probably what a defenseman would have done. Yeah. Maybe actually had a chance to block that goal. Um, but, I mean, you look at the, the effects it had with him not being in the series. They didn't win a game. 
I think he is that important to that team. He's always the guy for them in the playoffs. That's like getting goals at time at the right time for them. He's making timely plays. I think yeah. it was kind of, he shouldn't have gone so hard at the dude. It's hard to say, you know, it's such a fast game, but I think it should have been a two game suspension. Um, and maybe he should have, you know, not try to just truck him like that. Yeah. Um, James, what was your initial take? And after seeing it, I, I, I took a lot of time and thought into this hit. So I, I mean, I will say something, but I wanted to just get your take as someone who's never even played hockey before. But you've seen, so obviously. Said, I've <laughs> seen, yeah. At first, it's like, I was like, damn, that was a damn good hit. Like, I was pumped about it. I was excited for it. It was against a team I was rooting for. But I mean, I was like, shit, hell yeah, that was a damn good hit. But then you look at it more and you're like, that's exactly what we're trying to avoid in all sports, in every single, like you're trying to avoid the hits that make somebody's quality of life lesser later on. And I think that hit was malice. There was some, Definitely. what you guys don't see is the context behind it. Okay. Oh, yeah. So before Shifley was just out of the penalty box, he was in the penalty box because um, his own teammate was choking out a Habs player and the Habs player accidentally pulled down Shifley. As he was being choked down and thrown at the ground. So it's like the house player did nothing to it to him, but Shifley goes out and starts punching the guy on the ground. So he's put in the penalty box and he's pissed about it. And he was really angry. I've seen seen a lot of Shifley play the last couple of weeks because I've watched a lot of the games against the um, uh, Oilers as well. And he was pissed. You could tell he was angry and didn't agree with the call whatsoever, but he's put in the penalty box and he comes out. And the first thing he does is does shit like this. And it's like, dude, the game was you're already up there. You're already losing. Like if the goal's going to go in, it's going to go in. You're already lost kind of thing. It's like one second left. And as to Eric's point, put your stick in the way. Don't kill him. You were coming out from like 40 yards away, full speed. It was malice. You were trying to hurt him. And there was nothing. Yep. Nothing, nothing says otherwise. There was, that was not a hockey play, man. That was a, let me kill you. Cause I'm pissed off kind of play. Let me take out my aggression. Cause I have no other way to take it out. There's no other way around that. You just wanted to hurt him. And that's, in olden times, and before, like I said, before we cared about players' health and life after the game, that would have been cool. But nowadays, you're looking at it, and it's like, if this guy has some serious head injury or some serious trauma because of this, it's now lessening his, his life or lessening, lowering his, how good his life is from this point forward. Right. And that person can no longer go out on, go on to society and be the person he was supposed to be because of that hit, because you were pissed off. And it's that. just in the moment, you don't think about that. But dude, they have there's repercussions in everything you do. And you're you're in a position to literally kill somebody with your skate blade. You can do that if you really, really wanted to. Think about your shit next time. I I, I, I you know I, I totally agree with you what you're saying. I mean to to an extent. Um it was a minute left. So there's a lot of time left. Um that I I there there's a lot of time left. That being said. I'm in the camp that's in the middle here. I played the game. I'm, I'm, as, I'm a little younger than Mike Shrifley. So I grew up in an era where that hit. Oh, first of all, I want to ask you, ask you, James, is, are we even talking about this? If Jake Evans gets up and he cheers and he celebrates his goal. No hurt. No, he didn't get hurt. Well, it would have been a charging regardless. Uh, it's but, still I mean, charging. Yeah. It would have been like, it still would have been a penalty. Of course. But because it had, it knocked him out. That makes it that much worse. Just like you can have a regular penalty and a major penalty because blood's drawn. Yeah. That distinction between being knocked out is what's making this that go over the 
the, over the yeah. hump. Yeah. So uh, there's a couple of things that, I mean, I've spent a lot of time on this thinking about this. And in that moment, there was a moment where Mike Shifley had committed to the hit. He wasn't going to get away from that. And the games moved so fast that he, there's no, and you said that he probably should, you know, he should have thought about it before there, by the time he would have even thought about it, it, it was already too late. And this hit was actually a, what was a hit that was actually championed back in the day to your point. I, I'm going to say this and I, and I, I don't want to sound like I, I, I'm not a blame the victim type of guy, you know, necessarily, but I also want to, I also want to bring up perspective that, you know, should be brought up. And that is, you know, he Evans grew up in an area is a young player. He didn't grow up in an area where this, where this type of hit was was you know a thing. And Shifley did. When you're coming around the net like that, and you don't have your head up, you're you're asking to be hit. Now that being said, what Mark Shifley did is absolutely not okay. That is something we need to get out of the game. That being said, I think a lot more could be put back put on Jake Evans and putting himself in that position. And I'll give you guys an analogy. If you're at a park bench and you, 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 you see a water fountain, um, you know, across the, across the park, you leave your wallet on the park bench and go take, take a drink of water. You come back and your wallet is stolen as society. We have an issue with the, we should have an issue with the guy who stole the wallet. Right. But we also have to look at the guy who left the wallet and said, why the hell did you leave your wallet there? And in this situation, I think any, a, an older player who was not used to this type of play, because he would never have been exposed to this type of play, probably wouldn't have been wrapping around for the, for the net and, you know, going for the goal. So I, I, I don't want to say that J Jake Evans, I, I feel so bad that he's hurt. And, and Mark Shifley knows a lot better than that, especially in this day and age. I, I sit in the camp and I think it's okay to say the hit is not okay. The hit needs to get out of the game, but players need to i if i was a coach of a younger generation you need to tell your you need to tell your kids that hey this hits not okay but you need to make sure that you're not putting yourself in a vulnerable position because for that for we and we do it as hockey players because we're fucking stupid i mean i did it i would turn my back when a guy is barreling in on me and i and and i got hurt or i put myself in a position to get hurt and we put ourselves in a position to get hurt all the time why because either a it ends up going well for us and we score a goal or we draw a penalty. We, we take sacrifices that we probably shouldn't. Um, and so, you know, it, I think it's, a, I think it was a little long. I think, I don't, I think four games was a little long um, to be honest with you, but I'm not, I, I'm not super surprised. It was a very violent hit. It was not what we, what we want to see in this game. I understand that. Um, I, I just, this is kind of a PSA to every, every, any future player, current player, you, you gotta be aware of your surroundings and be aware of what's going on because you can, you, he, this probably could have been avoided on both parties. It, to some extent, Mark Shifley was an idiot for taking this hit. I, I agree with, with you on that. And I agree with you guys on that, but Jake Evans probably could have prevented himself from getting absolutely clocked too. Um, now I'm not, you know, I think there's a little bit of a, just a, just a perspective the game's so fast and it's it's and this hit is a result like uh, this hit is so bad as a result of how fast the game has become and maybe the game is getting too fast for its own good unless we can rein this in to James. yeah i mean to end it all you could just you know tell mark shifley what was that five days ago that you're gonna be swept because you just pulled this maneuver it's and it's not all your fault but like <laughs> You know, maybe that, that their motivation, everything, their momentum drops when 
a big guy like that is out of the lineup. And I mean, if they win tonight, then what? He comes back the next game, but that's, or maybe he comes back two games after that. So it's just, he, he gave, he shot himself in the foot and we see what happens. What, you know, when you do that type of shit. It's all the hockey. And so thank you, Traden. <laughs> um, as I'm sitting here, so we got one, we're going to come back with our last segment. Tyler is going to go over his oh damn moments of baseball. It feels like baseball is like finally getting into the groove of the season, even though we still got a lot of games left, I think. But we'll be back, guys. Welcome back, listeners, fans, supporters, everybody. We are now into the last segment of the episode. Last but not least, we have our big baseball guy, Tyler. He's going to go over, you know, the most current events going on in baseball right now. Thank you, Eric. Uh, we're going to finish off here with a little bit of baseball talk, uh, going through my old dams. Uh, first, oh, damn. Uh, we got to talk about Jacob DeGrom here for a second. Um, the era of pitching dominance where we're seeing so many great starting pitchers, so many great um, uh, pitching records being broken right now. Uh, DeGrom is the king of the hill. Uh, he is doing something that we have not seen in a very, very long time. Um, he threw seven scoreless innings on Saturday against the Padres, uh, which brought his ERA down to 0. 0.62, um, which is the lowest ERA through nine starts in the modern era. Um, it's, it's pretty phenomenal what he's doing. Um, he also has the lowest whip for those stat nerds that like to know that he has, they, he has the lowest whip through nine starts ever. Um, he has not allowed more than one run in any start this season. And in 58 innings that he's pitched, he struck out 93 while only walking eight. I mean, this dude is just unreal. He's, he's, he's on a whole nother level. Um, just so you guys are aware, the, the MLB record uh, the, for the very long history that, uh, that uh, baseball has been around, the, the, ER, the ERA record belongs to Dutch Leonard uh, way back in 1914. Uh, he had a 0.96 ERA with the Boston Red Sox. If you are one of those uh, fans that prefer the modern era records, um, the modern era record is Bob Gibson of the Cardinals, who had a 1.12 ERA in 1968. Um, either way, DeGrom is in the uh, running for to break both of those records. Um, but what's pretty phenomenal is kind of, you know, in this modern era of baseball is, you know, what seems like an unreachable, kind of like how hitting 400 is an unreachable kind of goal that people try to attach. Getting a sub one ERA is kind of one of those unreachable goals that people try to attain. Um, so we're about a third of the way into this season. Um, so James, I wanted to ask you this question. Can Jacob deGrom do the unthinkable and have an ERA this season of under one, assuming that he qualifies for that ERA with his uh, innings? I, I don't think so. Um, right now, he barely qualifies to be part of this, like the ERA rankings right now. He's missed some time with an injury. Uh, he's only pitched 58 innings, and the leader of innings pitched is Zach Greinke with 82.2. So that's a considerable amount of innings that he has not pitched because he's missed an injury. Um, 
And like he's the only pitch he started nine games, I, I believe you said, while Granky has, I think, started 13. That's four more games there. And it's the more innings you pitch, the better you can be potentially, but also like you could make a mistake. <laughs> that mistake's going to balloon your ERA. It's quite simple like that. It's how perfect can he stay? That's going to be the hard part. And like this new substance rule that's coming out, man, this shit's crazy. Like you got guys like big name guys like Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer who are now not throwing very well and giving up a lot of earned runs and not going very deep into games and whose spin rates are dropping off a considerable amount because they can no longer use illegal substances. And so, I mean, all of, all of Jacob deGrom's teammates and Jacob deGrom say he doesn't use anything, but it's like, time will tell, man. We're going to circle back to that, that saying, time but time tell. will tell. Are, is, tell. are we? Yeah, like, are you using something? Because if you are, it's going to show up, man. And your ERA is going to balloon a decent amount because you ain't pitching legally. But uh, yeah, we'll find out. I mean, if he's not using something, stuff, then damn, dude. That's very impressive, but I still don't. I don't. I still don't think he ends the season with a sub one ERA. The more innings he pitches, if he reaches reaches the minimum qualifying amount, uh, the more innings he pitches will like allow him to make those mistakes that'll balloon his ERA. What about what about the modern ERA ERA record? Do you think he breaks that one point one two? No, I always think that's pretty insane. That's very one point one two is insane, dude. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. There's no. I I think he's gonna be closer to maybe like one four one five. So still obviously, which is still really damn good. Yeah, an insane elite number, but probably not the record. I I, w- I would love to see him break it. I don't think he's gonna get under one. Um, even though hits are down in Major League Baseball, power is still up and still raining. He's gonna give up some home. He's he, he's gonna have one of those games where he just leaves a few up. He's gonna give up like three solo home runs or whatever. And you make a mistake. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's gonna happen just with how long the season is. It's it's hard to imagine anyone ever throwing a sub one. Just how it's hard to imagine anyone ever hitting four hundred. Like it's just it's it's like technically possible and people like, you know, flirt with it every once in a while, but it's just, it's such a long season. It's so hard to sustain that over 162. Um, but he, it, if you guys want to see just some incredible pitching tune in to Jacob DeGrom starts, this dude has every, he, I mean, he's throwing 99 miles an hour fastballs that have movement. He's got like a 92 mile an hour slider and he just paints everything. Like he, you know, whether it's foreign substance aided or not, this dude can pitch. Um, you know, he's one of the, as, as James mentioned, you know, a lot of, we're going to talk, talk about that in a second about the whole foreign substance issue about how, you know, about in, in their last starts, Bauer and Cole, their spin rates dropped a ton. DeGrom's didn't drop a ton and he still shut it to the San Diego Padres of all teams for seven innings. So who knows? We'll see. Time will tell. Um, moving on to my second, oh, damn. Moment. We know what the title of the, of the pod is going to be. Oh yeah. It's an easy one. It's just going to be called episode 50. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Happy 50. Uh, we're going to move on to that uh, news about the uh, MLB foreign substance uh, crackdown. Um, so as, as we mentioned before, MLB was uh, having an investigation early on in this season, collecting baseballs from games to see what they can find, how prevalent it is that how many pitchers are actually using a foreign substance. Apparently they found it significant enough to do something about it. So they just announced that they're going to implement a 10-game suspension for any pitcher who is caught using a foreign substance on a baseball during a game. And they said the umpires are going to be, um, you know, they're going to be very aggressive about this enforcement, whatever the hell that means. Um, 
So since that announcement, two pitchers that have been kind of the forefront of being suspected of using foreign substances recently, that would be Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, as James mentioned earlier. In their last starts, their spin rates dropped quite a bit, um, suggesting the fact that they don't want to have that that 10 game suspensions or, you know, also being labeled as, as a cheater, you know, or, or, or any of that. Um, and they didn't use any foreign substance in those games. They did not pitch as well. Uh, I think Garrett Cole gave up seven runs over about four innings. Uh, Trevor Bauer gave up four over six or some, somewhere around those numbers. And as James mentioned, the spin rates that we, that we now track were dropped by quite a lot. Um, so, um, we're going to see what happens here, how many, how many pitchers do get suspended and how that's going to change the game. If we're going to see an increase in offense, if we're going to see a decrease in the, in these uh, pitching numbers. Um, so trading just, you know, with this, with MLB deciding to crack down on this and, you know, officially, you know, giving out suspensions now, if, if pitchers are caught, do you think that this is a good thing for baseball uh, to do this? Yeah. I mean, I, I think they need to nip it in the bud because we're already seeing it kind of rampant, right? We're already seeing it kind of, I'm going to be, I'm going to be so bold as to say this is similar in scope and and feel as, you know, the steroid era and and hitting, right? Like to, and actually it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not harmful to the body. It doesn't have the long-term effects like this, but it is a way for the pitchers to, you know, have an advantage over, over um, the, the batters. And it's kind of becoming rampant. I mean, obviously the the league is clearly trying to crack down on it. So they must've seen something. And the thing is for the, for the longest time, and I'm not sure to your point, I'm not sure what the umpires are, are going to be doing now, but for the longest time, the, the, the umpires are always kind of waiting for the managers to call, to ask for some kind of, you know, check of the pitcher's ball. And ev- I mean, Tyler, you, if you were a manager, you, you would not be so stupid as to say, Hey, can you check his ball? Because I guarantee at least one of your pitchers is doing oh, yeah. the same shit. Oh, and by the way, if it's a pitcher that you may want later in the, later in the season in a trade, you don't want to burn that bridge either. So yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know how they're going to do. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. Although I think it is good for baseball. I mean, I I'm looking at, I don't know the most damning, um, report was from sports illustrated actually they went deep and i read the, and almost read the whole thing and it, it was quite telling <laughs> interestingly the dodgers are have the highest year over year spin rate numbers by a considerable amount to be fair i think a lot of that's personnel change i think you guys took a lot of took a lot of pitchers that probably already have a lot more spin than what you what you gave away or what what you didn't sign so that is in and of itself going to bring up some numbers but it's quite damning. And there's a lot of teams that I've seen, you know, one to 4%, and I'm not including the Dodgers here, one to 4% increase in spin rate year over year. And I would, I I'm going to say that this, this may have something to do with the, the lack of offense. I mean, look, if the, the, the ball's already hard to hit as it is. And I'm not, I can't even do it. And to do it when, when, you know, a, a, uh, a four speed, I'm sorry, a four seam fastball is going to over almost over 2,500 um, rotations per minute. That is, I can't even imagine. I mean, I don't even know that. That seems absolutely insane. You know, it, it's just not, it, it's just not, it's impossible to hit the ball. And, uh, and even managers are even, you know, saying, Oh, we, we expect to strike out so many times We ex- I mean, this is just kind of par for the course. And I think it's, I think it's affecting the game and they need to, they need to nip it in the bud, but, you know, to, to, um, 
uh, Trevor Bauer's point, why all of a sudden? I mean, (laughs) but yeah, I think it's good. Uh, It's been, it's been quite the story. I mean, I've I've talked about pitching pretty much every single uh, episode, I feel like, and it's been fun, but they need to nip it in the bud, but how they're going to do it and whether they do it correctly. And, and I guess rightly is, is the biggest question. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of lot to be seen with that. Um, I, I am, I am, I do think it is good. I think that it is good that they're finally do something about it. Cause I think for a long time, this has been, you know, in, into the, in, in, in the forefront of, of baseball and, you know, you know, a lot of players have accused major league baseball of just ignoring the problem right. because either they don't think that's actually a problem or they think that, you know, they actually want some of these pitchers to, you know, break these records to get more attention to the game. Kind of similar how some people argue that steroids save baseball, right? It was in this era where a lot of people weren't paying attention to baseball. And you got, you know, these, these, the, the Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Barry Bonds guys, you know, that brought more attention to the game because they were doing just unhuman like things. That's kind of what's going with what's going on with, with, with the pitching, right? It's kind of like almost unnatural kind it of is. things that are just like how how is this how are these pitches getting just that much better all of a sudden? And it's it's very interesting. Uh James, did you want to add add to the conversation? Uh you guys, I mean, first of all, great analysis on both of you guys' ends, but you guys are talking about pitching, and this doesn't really have anything to do with pitching. Went back to my softball thing from earlier. Just I just saw a quick stat real fast. Please indulge me. But ODC Alexander, the one I've been talking about from JMU. She threw 1,057 pitches over a span of six days. Just so you guys know. Wow. You were talking yeah. about pitching that really sparked me. So, yeah. yeah, that's all I had to say about that. Good job, guys. That, that, is, that is quite the stat. I hope that she has a great athletic chair that's going to help her re- re- recover from that, from that arm. Tyler, I think it's also good for, for maybe marginal pitchers that actually now have a chance because I think that th- there, there was maybe coming a point where if you weren't, cheating then you weren't going to get on the roster or you weren't going to yeah. get in the lineup and i think that's an issue yeah and i think that's kind of i think everyone agrees that everyone wants an even playing field um and that people shouldn't be allowed to have to choose to use something to cheat to be on the same level or gain that advantage i think people want to you either win or you lose with your natural ability to play the sport and not have not be aided in any sort of outside foreign anything right I think everyone can agree that that's what we want for not just baseball, but for all sports and for life and for every, for everyone. Right. Just like, you know, everyone wants the same opportunity to prove their best without anyone having some unfair ad- advantage. And hopefully that's what this is all about. Hopefully that's what, um, what, what comes to this. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how many guys get caught, how many guys don't get caught. Uh, so time will tell. Uh, moving on to my third. Oh, damn. Um, a little bit more of a fun one here. Uh, the Chicago White Sox debuted their City Connect jerseys, which I personally thought were fire. I thought they were super cool. I'm usually not a huge fan of black pants in baseball, but in this case, I thought it worked great. So if you guys haven't seen it yet, I highly recommend you, uh, you Google the Chicago White Sox City Connect jerseys. Um, but just to kind of paint a picture, they're, they're all black. So black pants, black um, jerseys with a white pinstripe. So kind of almost a reverse of the classic pinstripe look, um, on the front of the jerseys, it said South side on it, you know, cause they're from the South side of Chicago with the kind of that white socks font and their, and the, and their hat, instead of having the classic socks logo said, uh, CHI, which is, you know, short for Chicago Chi town. Um, I thought they were really great, clean looking jerseys. Um, and we had a, 
um, segment a few months ago about the best jerseys in sports. This jersey hadn't hadn't debuted. It had had it had it debuted. I probably would have picked this one for one of my favorites. But Eric, I want to know is you know obviously we we kind of debate you know you know the everyone's common jerseys, and I think we're more and more we're seeing a, a, across sports you know teams they bring these kind of alternate jerseys that are a little bit more fun. You know I think some work, some don't. Um, first of all, what do you think of these Chicago jerseys and you know, where does it rank for you amongst the best alternate jerseys in all of sports? These jerseys may be one of the worst alternate jerseys ever in sports. Oh, the pinstripes and the old English combo of Southside is just the two, two terrible things combined together. But however, I will say this, the black pants, I do like the black pants. But you said jerseys, so I don't know if the jerseys, you know, the pants, well, the pants are part, are part of the jersey. Of, of course they are. It's well, head to toe. Then you should have said uniform. Oh. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, uniform. but the hat, I do like the hat. I'm a big hat guy, and okay. I do like the CHI in the diagonal pattern, just like the how they have the word socks with the black and white scheme. I do like it. I just don't like the pinstripes combined with the old English. I think if they went, I don't know. I mean, what if they went the white jersey, like a white jersey instead? Well, that's like their regular jersey. Well, I like their gray. I like their regular gray jerseys. It sounds boring, but the the regular gray jerseys are their best ones. Um, To me, just the best, or or just even like just a completely different colorway. You know, like. I feel like a lot of these alternate jerseys are going like just complete different colors of the team itself. Um, my favorite, you know, is, is the ones we talked about in, in the NHL, the coyotes one might be one of my favorites from this year. One of their alternates, it's like black purple. It's almost like the sun's jerseys that they're wearing now. Those like black and purple with a little bit of orange. Um, I, I don't know. I think the pinstripes just like, took me for a whirl and I didn't know what to think. And then you but, like, yeah, regular pinstripes, like the, just the white Jersey with the black pinstripes, or are you just against pinstripes in general? Maybe I'm just against pinstripes in general. Is that, I don't <laughs> know. I, I, I look at the thing. uniform because the Yankees are known for their pinstripes. Yeah. I feel like and yeah, it are. is just amazing. <laughs> it's just clean, man. <laughs> Like it, it's so clean. That's baseball. That's yeah. baseball to me right there. No, I, I love pinstripes, but, uh, James and uh, Trayden, what do you what do you guys think of those uh, the uh, City Connect jerseys? I I kind of agree with Eric, man. I'm sorry, but I, I think I, the pinstripes with the lettering of it, yeah, is iffy. I, if they use a different lettering and maybe simplified it to CHI, I'll be okay with it. But there's a lot going on in the front with the pinstripes and the lettering and the south side. I I think the pinstripes aren't my issue. I think I think I agree with actually the other. I'm sorry, Tyler. It's wow. the it's the font. It's the font with the pinstripes just aren't yeah. like to me. Well. Pinstripes is clean, and then the, the font's not quite clean. Like it's a little like rough around the edges. It just doesn't quite mesh for me. Now, like it looks like glitter. Is what, the, that's what it looks like. The Clippers like alternate jerseys this year and last year were made by that tattoo artist cartoon, and like it's like you know oh, it's like similar. It. It's like the old English in Los Angeles and old English. Like I'm not the biggest fan of that font either. So I'm not, you know, just hating because it's the White Sox. I don't know why I kind of agree with trading too, though. The font, it's just something about it. Just, I don't know. 
So I think you, you, you guys just don't like the, the South side font on the Jersey more than anything. Yeah. That's my biggest thing. Pinstripes too. <laughs> and the pinstripes for Eric. James, what's your take on pinstripes? Uh, I like it. Just not in this scenario. Especially, on, I don't know. If, I don't. I don't like it on the black man. It's like he went outside and he has water droplets going down his shirt. That's what it looks like to me. <laughs> yeah. Interesting. I thought they were cool, but you know, and you got completely shit on them. I did. One. I thought. I thought I was gonna have at least one of you agree with me. Shit. All right. That's all right. You're really well, missing Alex right now. Yeah. I'm, I mean, he. I don't know what he thinks. We'll have to get his take on it at some point. I'll probably agree with you, Alex. Agree hey, this might sound weird. What if it was like like black and white tie dye the jersey? Keep the black pants. Keep the hat like, in, like a cloud, yeah, like a cloud. Be cool, yeah, like the a white cloud. clouds. <laughs> <laughs> like a cloud. Oh my, the white clouds. I don't know, <laughs> J- Eric. I would love it if you just designed jerseys for teams. I would love to see what you come yeah, up you're, with. You're, yeah, you're, maybe you're maybe I'll do that for a segment. Actually, that's yeah, good. That's oh, dude. Okay, yeah. over under how me. how many uniforms does he get through without getting fired? Seven. Two. That's that's a lot. I, I was gonna set it at like two. Yeah, I'd say two. No, yeah, seven games, you know, seven game series. <laughs> Seven's that, been a big you, topic you, you today. Designed pretty well. I will. Bro, admit. like, have you seen Eric at golf, man? That dude has some serious drip. Like, he does. He does. Yeah, he can that's, true. Shit. Yeah. that's true. Oh yeah, appreciate yeah, that. Right. Yeah, but, I mean, it's it's one thing. <laughs> Just that, bright orange. I don't know. <laughs> Except for that one. That one's trash. That one's so bad. No, that's that's one of the better hats. Orange Fowler, baby. It's an orange popsicle. Man. Orange creamsicle. Yeah, it's gross. There it is. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, I'm gonna uh, finish off with this with uh, one more. Oh damn, we don't have four guys, but I did. I do want to kind of wrap this one up here with uh, the the current home home run race. Uh, we got a race between the juniors in in, in baseball here. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. currently leads Junior Junior with 18 oh. home runs. We got Ronald Acuna Jr. who has 17, tied for second, and then Fernando Tatis Jr. also has 17 home runs. And then Jesse Winker had to fuck it up yesterday by hitting three home runs. So he also has 17. So the segment was going to be super cool because all the juniors were, were tied or on the front, but then Winker had to come in. He's not a junior. He's just, you know, first of his name bullshit. But <laughs> anyway, um, I think it's kind of cool. Let's talk about the, the, the junior kids, right? Uh, Vladimir Guerrero, Ronald Cunha, and Fernando Tatis. These are all just young studs coming up to the game. Three of the best, most exciting players. Um, so my question was fairly simple. Of those three, if you want to throw, you know, someone else in there, you can. But mainly of those three, um, who do you? I'll, 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 just, I'll just go around the horn. Who who you guys think has the best shot at taking home the home run uh, championship uh, trade? And I'll start with you. Yeah, well, I I have to stick with the guy who I have for MVP, and that would be Ronald Acuna Jr. Nice. I don't know how many. I got Vladdy Jr., dude. That guy has some yeah. serious power. He's always had some serious power. That run is in his blood. I think he won the home run derby like two years ago, maybe. Uh, he didn't came win close. it, but he came close. He came close, yeah. yeah. I mean, and he just needed to learn how to hit situationally mm-hmm. and get contact, and he figured it out this year. So, I mean, putting power and contact together, he's pretty much a shoe-in for me. Yeah. Eric, who do you got? Yeah, I agree with James. I got Vladdy Jr. Um, I think me and James both also said he was going to do well this year. So we got to, you know, he backed us up. We got to continue to back him up. He's also on my fantasy team. So, you, you know, you got to. Yeah, yeah, you got to mm-hmm. do. Uh, I'm going to agree with trading on this one. I'm going to go with Acuna. Um, just, I don't know. I, I just feel like he's just having a really special year. But I mean, so is Guerrero. I, I, I think it's going to be really fun to watch. 
I think Acuna just has a couple more seasons under his belt of experience and can figure out how to keep his pace up over a longer season. Uh, but I think, it, I mean, honestly, it's, it, it's, it's a toss up. I, like, I think any one of those guys um, can easily win it. So it's, it's, it's going to be fun to win um, or, fu- or fun to watch. Um, to, to, Real to fast it. though, before, yeah. like if you look at the per game stats, I think Shohei has like the most home runs per game because he's played less games than all those guys. And yet he's only two home runs behind. Yeah. I mean, he's, I mean, he's a guy too. There's, I mean, there's, if you keep, if you look at the whole leaderboard, I mean, there's, it's pretty crowded right now. Like I, it's, there could easily be 10 hitters right now. Like that has a legit shot of winning. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see, you know, Shohei if he was a full-time DH, you know, where he would be and, you know, kind of those rankings, you know, maybe he would have 20 right now and we'd be talking about him, but uh, who knows, you know, I, he, he's having a, a phenomenal season. Um, just, you know, we got to talk about some hitting performance because I feel we talk about pitching a lot, which, you know, is partially biased, you know, for me, cause I was a pitcher and I like talking about pitching, but hitting's fun too. Um, you know, chicks dig the long ball. So we got to talk about that a little bit as well. Um, other than that, uh, that's all I got for this week on, on baseball, Eric. What? You've never heard that saying before? Yeah. No, chicks do not like long balls, bro. What do they like? <laughs> not, jingle long bells? Ball. not long. That's not what I said. Chicks dig the long ball. Home runs. Yeah. So you, you only have one long ball and one regular oh, ball? Right. That looks You're weird. You're going off the rails. Like the, the issue, train bro. is you leaving got, the rails. Go get checked out. Go to the doctor. Really? Go, go oh, check God. The train has left yeah, the station. Eric, bring us back baseball, in. Baseball, baseball culture. Um, <laughs> thank you, Tyler. Let's bring it back in. Good, bro. Um, <laughs> so, you know, 50 weeks ago, we started this thing. And guess what? Time will tell. And time has told us <laughs> that – we would like to thank all you listeners, all you supporters. Um, thanks for putting up with us for 50 weeks. And guess what? You know, you, you, you looked at all of our power rankings. You told us we were smart. You told us we were on crack. You told us we were idiots. Um, but either way, you told us something. So keep telling us something because now we're in the playoffs, baby. And this is where our, our knowledge, our fact checking, everything we do comes to life. Um, Time has told and time will continue to tell. And uh, just want to thank everybody. So thanks guys, episode 50 in the books and we will see you next week.